everybody, and welcome back to DM Tavern Talks, your guide on being omnipotent in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. As always, I'm your co-host Adam, and with me today is Caleb. I'm Caleb. So, Caleb, welcome back. How was your weekend? Uh, it was terrible, uh, and I guess we need to go ahead and get into why uh, we missed a weekend. Uh, my gra- as you know, my grandfather passed away. Yes, and so last weekend it was fa- fairly sudden, fairly um, unexpected. So that's why I was unavailable for recording. Yeah, and we um, we just didn't feel like uh, that it was uh, appropriate to record it being very sudden. So we just took a break, gave Caleb uh, the space that he needed to grieve. As always, so in the comments down below and uh, send well wishes to Caleb as he goes through this journey. It's no fun losing a grandparent um, at any age for that matter. So well wishes to you and your family during this time. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, how was your weekend? Uh, Weekend was busy. Uh, I went to the funeral home, of course, and saw you. I appreciated that. um, and then um, I ended up uh, doing a deep dive into TikTok algorithms and spent way too much time researching that and mm-hmm. got a good idea of how our TikTok should go for the future and planned them out while we were in absence uh, of that and found some other cool things to review coming up on the TikTok um, as well. We finally hit our monetization goal that week mm-hmm. so that I we are able to monetize our TikToks now. So we should be able to increase production here soon. So going from a Blue Yeti microphone to other things are going to be very nice. Yeah, he, he showed me the price tag this morning and I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> it's all right. It, it will only improve our viewership, I promise. <laughs> Y'all better be happy what we go through just so y'all can hear our pretty voices. <laughs> <laughs> so at the same time, um, this weekend uh, was kind of busy um, on the other side because I'm creating a map. Um, and I've showed you the, the beginnings of it. Yes, people are going to be very excited about that when yes. they see it. So we did the rice method. And uh, I'll have a TikTok on how to do the rice method and a voiceover with that uh, here shortly, probably in the next coming weeks. Um, so just expect that out and we'll be good to go. And then I start working on the cannon the next week so ah yeah yeah i don't know understand how you have something nerdier than i do though uh, listen i it, so preface for the viewers out there and the viewers listening um they it is a civil war era reenactment cannon Mm-hmm. So it can actually fire blinks, and mm-hmm. it can it rolls around, and I just have to reconstruct it basically. So. Yeah, I have major uh, major barrel envy. I'm, I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's for the next weekend's product. So we'll see how that goes, and I think that's the week of Juneteenth. So oh, okay, very good. So that'll be that'll be a, a longer weekend for me since I'm off. Oh, nice. So yeah, I get to enjoy that, and then we'll uh, we'll obviously at the end of the day sit back and enjoy our uh, our cannon that gets built. So. <laughs> as you do, as you do. But for I mean, those of you that aren't aware, we are based in America. Really? Yeah, yeah. So just in case, specifically the South. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you don't have a cannon. <laughs> so, anyways, we're gonna uh, this episode, which would have been. Last week's episode, uh, if uh, if that uh, other stuff did not uh, get in, uh, not I wouldn't say in the way, but didn't happen. I'm I'm sorry, my grandfather died. I know. It was inconvenient <laughs> for you, Adam. so inconvenient. But uh, th- we left our adventurers um, in front of a cave. Yes, we did. Yes, so we did. This episode will be delving into the depths. Mastering dungeons and caves. Not dungeons and dragons, but dungeons and caves. Ah, the pesky little caves. <laughs> in, uh, in Dungeons and Dragons. So, yeah. with that being said, let's go into uh, the first segment, Caleb. Ty, 
Roll those dice for us. He really missed that, let me tell you. Yeah, I know. I just... <laughs> he, he texted me. He goes, I can't roll dice right now. You don't have anything for me to edit. And I was like, I'm sorry. Adam's like, oh, Ty, roll those dice. He's just like, no, it's it's not the same without Caleb. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not. Uh, Caleb is the glue that holds this family together. Mm, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> so the, the first introduction um, is how important are caves and dungeons in D and mean, they the name what dungeons are. What does in... the D stand for? <laughs> so, so you kind of you kind of got to go into it looking at how important are the caves that you create as the yeah. DM. Yeah, and dungeon dungeons are kind of a catch-all phrase, at least in my experience. A dungeon could literally be a an, cave, a, a cave, or it could be an alehouse that you've set up as the dungeon for your party to try to. Navigate through. Yeah. Um, or I kind of consider anything subterranean oh, a yeah. dungeon, sewers in a city, mm-hmm. all secret underground hideouts and caves, it's basically. Re- really weird when I showed him my basement. He's like, nice dungeon you have here. I'm like, don't tell people I have a dungeon downstairs. <laughs> so I kind of consider it as a catch-all as well. It's like yeah. anything subterranean to me should be just a dungeon of some sort because you're going through and you have a process to create your dungeon and how you how you see fit depending on how experienced the party is and how what is the end goal of that dungeon right and in the in the context of caves specifically um i think we need to start off by talking about the most important thing about uh setting your uh dungeon in a cave which is oh i think we all know what it is treasure no, oh. the difference between stalagmite and stalactite. Oh, because okay. without fail, there will be at least one party member. When you mess it up as the DM, they will correct you. <laughs> and then you have to kill another PC. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a example of, okay, let me see. I'll be the PC. Okay. And uh, so, Caleb, is there any uh, stalactites? Yes, they are hanging directly over your head, as stalactites are wont to do. <laughs> there you go. So stalactites hang from the top. And they hang the, tight. Yep. And yep. then stalagmites grow from the bottom. Like a mighty tree. Well, there you go. So you won't ever forget that, ladies and gentlemen that are listening, that stalactites grow from the roof and stalagmites grow from the bottom. All right, I think our work's done here. See you guys next week for our next episode of Tavern Talks. So, does every cave of yours have stalactites and stalagmites? Uh, typically, especially if it's a naturally forming cave. Yeah. Um, if two, two circumstances, if uh, cultists, for example, have been modifying the cave for some sort of dark ritual, mm-hmm. they might smooth out the stalactites and mites and. For, for whatever their purposes might be. Okay. But so, yeah, in, any natural cave, just for the ambiance, I'm going to throw in a few. Okay. So my most important thing is always when someone is entering a cave or a dungeon is what kind of treasures do you throw into a cave or a dungeon? Okay. Do you throw the magical artifact in there at the very beginning of a quest or you do th- throw it at the very end to make them feel like they accomplished something? Uh, re- little role play. Uh, I'll be the PC just stepping into the cave. Mm-hmm. You as the DM start describing it. All right. So, as you approach the cave... I have dark vision. <laughs> Without fail, that <laughs> happens. A, I have dark vision. <laughs> Let me finish. You, you know... <laughs> 
you know, I have started as the DM now to preface that I understand you have dark vision yeah. before anything becomes dark itself. But right. that is exactly how the first few episodes and sessions go as the DM. If you're describing anything at night or anything... I have dark vision. It, yes. You, someone without fail... Elf or, you know, a, a dwarf or something out there is like, oh, I can see in the dark. I'm like, yes, I know that. I can see that on your character sheet here. I have it uh, scribbled in that you have dark vision. And if they say it too many times, you can be like, you hear a rumbling overhead as the stalactite falls and crushes you. Or, or my favorite one, it's magical darkness. Ah, that, is, that is fair. <laughs> Magical darkness. Don't even have to explain anything. Just, just if you get tired of that question, yeah. you just say it's magical darkness. You can't get beyond that. Throw them for a loop. You don't even have to be that descriptive. Just say yes, you do have dark vision, and yet you can't see in here. <laughs> when really you just, as the DM, forgot it or something. Just add a little bit of a, add a little bit of a note to your voice, and you can get away with a lot. Yeah. And that's just a probably a, a quick little dirty, dirty little DM secret there. <laughs> Is if you don't want them to have vision inside your cave for whatever reason, magical darkness, magical. and let them figure out why it's magical darkness <laughs> um, on that. But you kind of look for certain interactive elements um, within caves as you're you, as you're looking into it. So I would call those the challenges. And then you also have the treasures that you set up. Mm -hmm. And then you have the opportunities for exploration. I try to make my caves not linear. Mm -hmm. I kind of like sprinkle them out, but maybe they kind of lead to the same result Mm -hmm. at the same time. But oftentimes they're dead ends in caves. Yeah, and different paths, depending on which path your player takes, could reach the same end goal, but have different challenges along them. Like some are going to be a little bit easier. Some are going to be a little bit harder. And like we did with our quest, it's it's central. Dungeons are without dungeons, you don't have Dungeons and Dragons. Right. You just have and dragons. Yeah, and, and then people are confused and what and dragons? Yes. Yeah. So so at the same time, they're a central part of exploration within the party, whether it be a quest, a side quest that they go down, or they just discover it on their journey forward. Yeah. Um, Depending on what kind of dungeon it is, in this instance, it's a cave. They they either a stumble upon it, or there's ivy growing around the rock that it's around, and then they kind of get through the ivy and it's open cave, or it's just an old mine that that mm-hmm. someone yeah, had uh, you know mined out the gems and the minerals inside of it. Yeah, a lot depending of on d- whatever it is, you end up looking at a different perspective because whatever you choose, whether it's a natural forming cave to a mine, you're going to describe things a lot differently. Mm -hmm. If it's a mine, it's been carved out from the mountain itself. There's wooden beams and maybe some beams have fallen. I kind of try to pull um, up YouTube exploration people that go into caves. I can't watch those. (laughs) I can't watch them. And and they usually oftentimes do mines and, and sometimes they just do normal caves and stuff. So, as a good DM, I kind of pull from those kind of experiences those people have and try to describe the area, depending on how old the cave is or how new the mine is. Mm-hmm. You go into descriptions of that. And depending on how much your characters or your players enjoy this setting, uh, it could be a central location for the quests, uh, any encounters you might have, or mm-hmm. just plot elements. Good thing about... Uh, Caves is they think they've explored it all, but 
due to the nature of caves, maybe there's a cave-in that opens up a new pathway. Or cave-in or uh, the, oh God, what is it called? The purple worm. Or that, a, bu- a bullet. Yes. That the purple of, worm's not the bullet, but. There is, I forget what the purple worm's called, but there's a purple worm that is from the Underdark. There's a, there's a song about it. Purple worm, purple worm. Now I gotta make a bard that is Prince and, <laughs> and sings about D D monsters. Yeah, yeah. Little red Cadillac with a little red Mustang. Yes, it'll just be a horse. <laughs> yeah, a demon horse at that. Point. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but they they end up. You could pull Underdark creatures. Maybe this cave goes deep enough where mm-hmm. they're starting to hit the cusp of the Underdark. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is the Purple Worm to come up and cave in on one side, your only entrance back. And then you have a full quest of the Underdark. Level 5 creatures and characters going into the Underdark facing critical ratings of 4 and above. <laughs> five <laughs> fire giants. Of, I don't know. Yeah. I, but, I haven't but, got us to a cave yet. Yeah. We need to do a sailing I don't, episode, too. Have we? Oh, we did a cave before this. They just I, got out of a cave yeah, before I, I you joined. You. So they, they did the whole caving. Actually, in most of my campaign prep for the next um, homebrew, I don't think I have much. Cam- I mean, I have a dwarven city, but that's not really. Yeah, that's, that's the way they got into the Underdark is it was an ancient mine that, oh, okay. that they got into, and they discovered their mine. Um they basically discovered the ancient mine where a crown of jewels was. They found the crown of jewels, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they couldn't get back. Um, and then that's where uh, Bayou became petrified. So Fair by enough. the uh, beholder down there. Very nice. So, the, so it's, it's just, you kind of plan out your cave, and you kind of try to try to at least incorporate treasures, mm-hmm. challenges, and you kind of want to. Um, have opportunities for the exploration in the cave, like you said. Those okay. are the top three things. When you get into it, try to introduce to your um, to your party. They get in there; it's cold, damp, white. Because anytime you go into a cave, it may be summertime, but then you walk into the cave, Main and taste. it's like, a, whew, yeah. like a burst of cold air comes through, and it's a constant like fifty seven degrees. Yeah, and, and that just... change of environment, dampness, humidity, mm-hmm. all of that as you explore into the cave happens. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, there's dampness, there's rocks, could be some slippery situations, mm-hmm. uh, especially if there's a, a pursuit option that would offer a really good uh, skill challenge check. Yes, yeah, um, that would, uh, if they're trying to hide into the cave or trying right. to chase somebody into the cave. As we were left, we were chased into the cave. Yes. So, you know, it could be, you know, they. Uh, they slip and fall, and the entrance to the cave is actually very sharply sloped, and so they all I'll fall into the cave, and then it kind of runs into it. But you, as the DM, this gives us into our second segment. Yes. With how do we create the cave as the DM? How do we plan out that? So right, for that you, way, do you tie or roll those dice? There we go. Um, so I'll let you start off with this one. Um, since I did the tie roll. Uh, okay. Well, there's, again, you have to decide what sort of cave. Well, you don't have to decide. Uh, at some point, the decision has to be made what sort of cave you're creating. So is it just a naturally forming cave where there's no signs of human or, in D&D, other kind of intelligent life uh, altering the cave in any way? Uh, they could be going through. It could be... Uh, uh, stalactites overhead, stalagmites beneath them, and then suddenly they walk into a corridor mm-hmm. that's been polished smooth. Um, so 
that, that's the first thing. Just figure out what type of cave, what sort of thing they're going to run into. And that's really going to inform how you design the cave itself. So if it's been worked by sentient hands, maybe there is a pattern. Maybe there is a layout they can go by. If it's a naturally forming cave, you know, there could just be little cracks and uh, orifices mm-hmm. they, could, they could move off into. So yeah, that, that, that's how I go about it. So you as the DM, depending on what it is, I mean, again, we get we'll we'll get into the city landscape and how we build our cities because mm-hmm. I think me and you take such a cool approach to building the yeah. cities that it will be an awesome episode to dive in how you create central cities and mercantile and mm-hmm. all of that yeah. from the flesh of a you know you flesh it out a lot. But then we'll get into the sewer systems because every city that I create, mm-hmm. I start from the underground yeah. system and then I build it upon build it up. What I kind of do when creating caves and, and mines, mm-hmm. I will take a sheet of paper uh-huh. and I will lay it out and try to um, just kind of take my pencil. And if it's a mine, I will make straight lines mm-hmm. and it just kind of straighten it out. And then I will create greater rooms. And I, depending on how many encounters that I want the players to interact with mm-hmm. and the puzzles in there, I kind of do it like almost like a tier list. Like, okay, there's one goal that they're trying to find that's going to be at the very end, of mm-hmm. course. And then maybe there's a, a room, a greater room that they have to discover that's hidden mm-hmm. by a, you know, something's blocking it. Maybe they have to, you know, send in the halfling to go underneath some rocks, depending on the situation at hand. Or you end up um, having the puzzle room where it, if it is made by hand, sentient hands in D&D, maybe a portion of it's locked by a door. Yeah. They have a door puzzle. Love puzzles. And that this is a good way to incorporate that kind of thinking into y'all as listeners creating the dungeons is I just literally take a sheet of paper and I draw out my lines and I kind of create boxes if it's a mine. Mm -hmm. But if it's a cave, I do circles and I just do big circles and I do about, depending on the party size, their experience at this point, maybe since we're level five characters right at this point um, in our storyline that we're trying to tell, Mm -hmm. it becomes maybe... I would say maybe four or five rooms that they go and explore. Not a big cave, four or five rooms, and they're two and maybe three, and they're all, you know, interconnected in some way. But I just kind of draw circles on a sheet of paper, and then I draw, you know, ovals to connect them um, each. And then I decide what I want in each room Mm -hmm. and how they're going to get there and how they're going to navigate it. And that just kind of gives me a good mind map of how they should navigate the world that you just created the subterranean. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a really good, good way to get it down and really sets the template for you to be able to decide, you know, the theme of the mind, the atmosphere for the mind, what the players are experiencing. Uh, is it, uh, moist, high humidity air with dripping stalag tights? <laughs> I'm learning here. <laughs> or, or is it going to be a little bit more of an acrid, uh, acrid environment or an arid environment? I was like spiders. Like, uh, <laughs> no, no, that, that's arachnid. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and and that, I I'm think the dumb re- one today. <laughs> uh, we're both dumb today. Uh, but and that's how we can uh, incorporate, like you said, the more interactive elements, mm-hmm. whether it be the sentiently designed trap or just the simple moist, humid nature of the of the room mm-hmm. they're in. So, yeah, and it, it ends up. Kind of, you want to go through it. Maybe um, your, your players are going to want to try to explore everything in the cave. 
Yes. And I, as a DM, I don't like that. I don't like that you are able to explore everything about this cave. Not just because I just I, unless you're creating a linear thing, mm-hmm. they should be able to just choose their one path and then just leave. But then they start to use player knowledge versus character knowledge, yeah. and that kind of ruins the ambiance of the cave because they may not end up finding everything in the cave, and that's okay. Yeah. And I try to leave it open and not try to navigate them through the cave, like railroading them through the tunnels. Right. But you give them choices, and yeah. with those choices end up you create maybe hostile creatures within the cave mm-hmm. you know in lost mine you face a goblin cave and it's a goblin mm-hmm. little village inside of there depending on the pathway you choose depends on what you're going to face yeah. and what you're going to defeat in inside of it but cool. you don't go back and try to at the end of it you don't go back and try to explore it so i kind of just try to cause something environmental that mm-hmm. kind of pushes them away at and out of the cave faster than what... Lost Mind gives that option as well. Yes. Especially when they're first in- entering. Uh, and like you said, hostile creatures is what everybody thinks of whenever they enter a cave. But I think it's fun sometimes to introduce some um, potentially non-hostile creatures. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could go either way, but someone to have a, a social interaction with them in the cave, maybe a resident of the cave, especially if they get lost and the party itself seems kind of unsure what to do. Mm-hmm. Introduce kind of a little, you know, bobbling the goblin to be discovered. That could could help them. Yeah, and depending on how your characters would react is how they should navigate the, you know, it gives you an indication of the rest of the cave. But uh, like I said, when I plan out the cave with my ovals or squares that I kind of use for mines, I kind of set forth different uh, creatures that they could potentially encounter, mm-hmm. and some of them are higher level creatures, and some of them are very easy creatures. Depending on the pathway that they choose, will ultimately decide their fate. Um, the cave that the uh, guys went through before you were introduced, mm-hmm. uh, that I had drows and drow mages inside the cave. I also had mushrooms that were sentient mushrooms that could attack them, right. and I had two aboliths that were in abolith. Uh, sacks because the water had been you know dried up but if they right. had touched one of those that would have caused the cave to flood nice. so I had so many different um, I had so many different interactions that they could have had um, it ultimately they were able to sneak past most of these and not have to fight which was great for them because they didn't have to worry about fighting but if, yeah. man if they ran into one of them yeah. they were they were about to face some tough challenges well and unless there's another exit there are two opportunities for them to get involved get with that and yes. all it takes is one bad roll and mm-hmm. you never know so that kind of makes me want to go into our next segment, yeah. uh, which is navigating the dungeon exploration and kind of discuss strategies for guiding the players without railroading them and still leaving you know, player agency. Yeah. So, uh, Ty, roll those dice. So with that being said, we're going to kind of emphasize the, the integral as you create the map with your circles or ovals. Then I kind of sit back and take another sheet of paper and really kind of draw out the map. Mm-hmm. There's tools online that you can create dungeons with that are for free um, that give you the old style like crisscross patterns with your yeah. um, 
with it. I forget the name of it. I'll think of it uh, later. But it, they ultimately will give you a better census of where they are navigating the whole uh, dungeon, right. whether it be the squares of a mine or circles of a cave that are naturally forming. You, as the DM, need to really make sure you navigate it along with as your description so each room gets its own little description and yeah. i have it kind of set forth and written out how i want to describe the room and it gets its own uh skill rating and its own skill table basically yeah um and what they can interact with in the environment itself yeah and that's that's a really good way to so they're not just going room to room finding empty rooms every time you know that'd be a good way to um especially if there are multiple pathways uh, a really good way to ratchet up tension amongst the players because what's in this room? Is it a troll or is it a baby goblin? I mean, either yeah. way, one of them's going to die. But <laughs> <laughs> I figured I, I remember the name of the uh, website Dungeons oh. Crawl. Oh, okay. Or it's Dungeons Crawl. Yeah, DungeonsCrawl.com oh, is okay. what you can do, and it gives the old style. Uh, grid map with the little lines on the edges and 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 they look cool and you can print them out and use them um on there so that's a good little idea for y'all um on uh that are listening to use for your maps if you do online play or if you do in person because you're able to print them off so dungeonscrawl.com and you can create it yourself and i know there's a paid thing that gives you more access i'm all about paying for things when i'm not broke yeah so yeah (laughs) but Sometimes you just got to use for your resources that are yeah, out there. Well, we've got some uh, recording equipment coming. Uh, yeah, we're broke week. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sure. this is coming out of our own pockets. Because I showed we up. See he's potential. like, I showed up. He's like, so this is what we need. This is what we need. This is what we need. Here's how much it costs. And uh, you know, I blacked out for a few minutes, but we'll I, make do. We'll make do. <laughs> There's a soup kitchen around the corner, you know. Yeah, it'll be fine. Bread lines and soup kitchens. Hey, you know. <laughs> but uh, the, the player choices should have consequences within the dungeon. Always. And that being said, I try to, inside the greater rooms and the rooms inside the dungeon, there's two ways you can go, like you said. It's like, all right, how if they kill this person, then there's this consequence. And if they loot their body, I always love when they loot their body because I have a table that I've made mm-hmm. uh, myself yeah. that whatever I roll on the table, I roll a D100. Yeah. There's a hundred different things that they can oh, find awesome. on the uh, on their body. Yeah. So a lot, some of them are like love letters. If yeah. it's a sentient thing, some of them yeah. are love letters. Other ones are like grocery lists. Or a, a note from their kid. Have a great day at work, Dad. Yes. Yeah. So I try, I, I, I'm, I am a, a, a omnipotent God in D&D, like we always say at yeah. the beginning. And that's one of my joys that I get when someone says, I loot the body. I'm like, roll. <laughs> there's, there's there's a sonogram picture in there from their wife. Just, you know. <laughs> Just something funny. Yeah. You know. um, and then that way your characters have moral uh, uh, questionings of their moral uh, grounds of why did I kill this May- person. Maybe. Or maybe the party's like, let's see if there's an address so I can hunt down his family too. <laughs> and that could be a whole yeah, side the, quest. The wizard in necromancy is like, I have an idea for a joke, guys. <laughs> Let's cut his face off, and then <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be a a, a wild party. <laughs> yeah, can I switch switch from uh, transmutation to necromancy? If you want to, <laughs> I'm totally open to that. But you, you, that's just what I'm saying about consequences. They loot maybe. 
you know, in our situation, our players are exploring a cave because this is the cave where people are missing. Right. So maybe I give like a howl and a weird shout coming echoing through the cave and mm-hmm. that get really spooked uh, out. Survival checks, they come in. The pathway to the left seems more well-trodden than mm-hmm. the pathway to the right. So. Or you have dragging of, you know, looks like, you know, drag marks across the left side of the cave or scratch marks that have indicated that they use this pathway a lot. Mm-hmm. So as they're exploring it, that's kind of the idea that you're trying to navigate through as the DM, you have to be ready for descriptions, descriptions, descriptions of everything going on because this is an enclosed environment that you have created. And these players, if you don't give them guidance on any of this, then they're going to just explore the whole cave and you're not going to be prepared with the consequences yeah. of exploring the whole so, cave. I mean, and that's a great way to guide them is by dropping little clues, little hints, little breadcrumbs, as it were, uh, how to proceed or the best way to go. And uh, that's ultimately, I think, going to be the best help when it comes to balancing the exploration side of it versus the combat, and pace. the combat, the narrative mm-hmm. progression, that sort of thing. Yeah, just to make sure there's engagement. You don't want some guy off to the side on his phone bored. That you try to keep them engaged, but also the same thing is is you don't want them in this cave for multiple sessions because if you're in yeah. this cave for multiple sessions. You're going to have players that are like, oh, my God, get me out of this place. Oh, boy, another room filled with stalagmites. Yeah. That grow from the ceiling. But I thought it was stalactites. Fireball! (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you don't want that to happen unless it is a part of their quest and they know that this is their the way that they have to not go mm-hmm. and you you want them to go down to the underdark or something you got to make them want to continue exploring yes. because after 3 sessions of cave it's a lot to deal with oh, and yeah. that's what you your pace of play is very important with that and then you want to make sure that it is engaging and that leads us to our next segment is we want to engage with every um Every area that you explore, whether you have chests or treasures in there, you don't want it to be an empty room. Chests, you want to make mimics. You can have mimics, yes. Every chest is a mimic. You know what? I I have thought about making a whole town a mimic, but they're not malevolent. Or malevolent. Mm -hmm. They're they're just wanting to help. Uh So it's kind of like beauty. It's kind of like Beauty and the Beast, but. Okay, now we have to do a Beauty and the Beast themed one shot where they're just mimics. It, yeah, and they're just helpful. They're yeah. helpful mimics. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like ni- a nice, August. cozy, warm bed that snuggles up and provides the exact amount of heat for sleeping. you. To- I am not sleeping inside anything sentient. <laughs> I'm getting that on a t shirt. I refuse to sleep inside anything sentient. <laughs> But that brings us to our next segment, uh, crafting the experiences for the players within the dungeon. Yes. So, Ty, roll those dice. How does the bathroom work in a sentient mimic town? I mean, is it kind of like the Flintstones? Yes, it, exactly and like the Flintstones. you've got a crap job. <laughs> it's either that or the Jetsons <laughs> and the yeah. robot takes over. Yeah, <laughs> and everything's true. a robot to them over there. Okay, I can see Either, that. depending on your D&D world, either they are the Jetsons or they are the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> depending on the technological advancements in your world. <laughs> so... How do you go about crafting an engaging dungeon encounter? Well, great that you asked that, Caleb. Just off the top of my head. I don't have a script in front of me or anything. Uh, I tried to have 
a balance between encounters in a room versus things that they can find. Now, depending on if they're going into a temple dungeon, maybe they find clerical items. If they're mm-hmm. going into a mine, they're going to find like, mining like specific station, clerical items, like stationery. Uh, you know, maybe some stamps. Yeah, caskets, po- postage. Yeah, things. Yeah, not that kind of stationery items, but oh. papers that could be clerical in nature. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Things of that nature, caskets, if it's in a temple, um, holy symbols that are around. And, you know, if you've ever been under, like, catacombs in a Catholic church or something, Mm -hmm. you're going to find caskets and other things of that, and along with kind of storage rooms for them. But if you're in a mine, then you're going to find dwarven etched, you know. Broken pickaxes. Yes. Things of that nature, depending on your world and what kind of cave or mine or temple underground area you create you should have item specific um things to use item specific mining equipment item specific you know cleric uh equipment that they use and that's kind of how i try to balance it yes in this cave that we're taking our players on they get to the left side of the cave because it's used more well inside of that cave they find you know opens up into a great room that is full of stalactites and stalagmites (laughs) and also you see that there are a table and it's a you know it's a metallic table and you're like huh that's kind of weird why is there a metallic table in a natural forming cave and on it there are um there are medical equipment items scalpels bone saws things of that nature that doesn't fit in a mine with excavation equipment so and that get piques their curiosity and maybe the first one they don't find anything they just find the remnants of stuff as they roll investigation they find you know formaldehyde other things of that nature. So there's deeper meaning into it when they get beyond the cave and into deeper parts of the cave. Very cool. So that's kind of how I interact yeah, with just, it, balance just, it out. You just don't want to be, okay, you're in another stone room. There's nothing in here. No. Like we said in the previous segment, you want to make sure that you describe everything in detail to yourself as the DM. Mm-hmm. So you – and I kind of do – Okay, they get this much info if they roll this and investigate. They get so much info if they roll this and investigate. Yeah. And then I kind of do it in the three-tier system. So I, my planned out description, I will give them if they roll high. And then a little bit of a bare minimum description if they roll low. And yeah, then the I, middle. I very rarely do a binary pass-fail yeah. thing. And then... You want them to, if they're sneaking around, you want them to make stealth checks every so often. Yes. But the way I do stealth checks, and I steal this from other DMs too, and I've heard other DMs using it this way. The way stealth checks are in 5e, you just roll it and you pass. Mm-hmm. I, I make them roll stealth checks when the monster or sentient being is aware of their surroundings. Mm. So as they pass through a entrance and say you're there, there's another room, but then there's a secondary room off to the side. As they go through that tunnel, this meets up with them. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe there's a patrol person there, mm. and then as they cross to the middle of the cave, I make them roll a stealth right then and there to see if they'll get caught. Oh yeah, I so like it, that. it's suspense. So anytime I say roll stealth, everybody in the party knows that. Oh crap! I've been spotted. How can I get away from this kind of idea? Well, that kind of ties in with something else I wanted to discuss, which yeah. was balancing the uh, difficulty of fights. Mm-hmm. I like my fights to be difficult mm-hmm. uh, for the same reason you did what you just said you do. 
is um, you, you want the players to be invested. You want there to be that tension. You want every role to have a chance of altering the storyline mm-hmm. inside and outside of combat. I, I At least in my combats, I at least try to do two critical uh, ratings above the current parties. Okay. Um, and I at least have one creature that is that. Is that. Very cool. So that, yeah. that's kind of like the baseline and, that I go to. And then you can always do the uh, DM Dirty Secret. Ding! Thank you. DM Dirty Secret. Behind the behind the screen, they can't see if you add uh, hit points to a monster. Oh, no, they, they don't. Like they, if, they, if they crit and then the next yeah. person crits as well and you haven't even got a chance to fight, that one becomes a two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't want, uh, usually, you don't want your... Uh, you don't want to make it too easy for them. No. In other words. Well, in our session that we did back in May, um, yeah. we, you know, I made it really difficult for y'all. Yeah, think. But there's six of y'all, and y'all could have all critted on y'all y'all's rolls, and then that would have been game over. So you just threw a lich, four death knights, 20 zombies, and a zombie beholder on us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Critical rating two above your. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sounds right. I like I said, I almost left everybody to die. And then that's the suspense that you want to get, especially inside caves, since yeah. there's only one way out usually. Yeah, you want to make it suspenseful for them oh, and make yeah. it difficult. So as they go from that one greater room and they go into the other one, they notice that there's it's a prison and someone is being the missing people are there, but make it hard on them. Make make it hard on them. Uh, with a, a good storyline, maybe one of the missing people are dead, yeah. and they can't save them. You know, revive doesn't work on commoners in my world. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have stats. How elitist of you! Commoners have stats. <laughs> in my world, they don't. <laughs> but that's just. Ten. But that leads us into the next segment of creating that storyline for for D and D, basically, and for the cave. Um, with our storyline that we got going on now, they're exploring the cave. They, they've made it into the first couple of rooms, and now they discovered the prison. Mm-hmm. That whoever came into the night, you remember that person that came into the night? Yeah. That's starting to click a little bit. We got some experiments going on with dead bodies. Yeah. So that, that should that should provide a good storyline for them. But for the listeners out there, let's explain to them how we create these kind of storylines. All right. Ty? Do we ever have done that? No, we have not. All right. Ty, roll those dice. So you want to create a good, compelling storyline with the dungeons. You just don't yes. want them to discover the dungeon and, and they, at the end of it is a treasure chest and they get, Walk you know, through a little bit, kill a couple of bats. Yeah, that that kind of thing. Now, if they found one on the side of the road as they were traveling, maybe that would be one of the ones that are just yeah. a small cave. Or maybe they find an empty treasure chest in that one. Yeah, and then they'd be like, well, I'm just not going to explore caves ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I learned my lesson the first yeah, time. Yeah, you know, if, if, if you're, you have a pouty party. But the dungeon dungeon storylines, uh, my one over that the guys were doing before you jumped on board was finding a crown of jewels, basically, and these that hasn't been seen in thousands of years. And they went exploring for days upon weeks trying to find this in the cave. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was one of the storylines that you can create. This one here is missing people in caves, and they have now found them. They found the missing people. Some of them are there. Others are unfortunately dead. Mm-hmm. So, in that in that way, I try to you, you try to make sure whenever the NPC that gave you the quest explains what they're trying to look for: artifacts, missing people, um, 
you're trying to find a goblin hideout or a cultist hideout for this instance. Um, There's many different ways you can have a a compelling storyline within the realms of D&D. You know what I love to throw in caves? Yeah. Ancient evil artifacts. Okay. So uh, even if they don't have a, a direct bearing line to the story, it can add a little, open up a little more context for the history of the world. Or you know, could if they do something dumb enough with an evil enough artifact, maybe they resurrect some evil that overpowers, joins, or is subjugated by the current big okay. bad evil guy. Yeah, just a thought. Yeah, and that, that'd be a good idea to throw in there. Maybe as they get higher level and they explore the world a little bit more, and maybe you know, like like your storyline is it was it mages that are going missing, or specific alchemists. Alchemists. Yeah. So they're going missing. Maybe one of the alchemists was in the cave, and then in that cave itself comes becomes a you know artifact uh, that they find from ancient times yeah. that shouldn't be there. Or maybe they see like a little chamber. We originally were going into this tavern to, or this cavern is what I was trying to say, Yeah, um, to rescue missing townspeople. Uh, we do that, but we find, a, we find a little cave off to the side of it where one of the alchemists is found dead. Maybe there's writing on the wall. Maybe there's something that kind of, again, drops that little hint to the broader overarching storyline. Yeah, it's just those little breadcrumbs that you leave in there. And then um, I always have hidden items, hidden passageways, hidden things around in caves and everywhere else too. But if you roll a high enough investigation or high enough uh, perception, you will find those um, within the within the storyline. And that will only enhance the player's... Um, the, it would only enhance the player's intuition and um, engagement within the cave itself. Having them find a chest that's full of the cultist leaders, you know, belongings that belong to some kind of uh, occult. Uh, maybe they follow Orcus or something, something of that nature. Right. And now maybe he's not the big battle evil guy. But he is for right now, and they defeat him at the end of it and have a final boss combat, basically, against him. Mm -hmm. And maybe he escapes, maybe he doesn't, depending on the storyline. I think we're going to go with he gets defeated and he gets killed, but he kills himself. Mm-hmm. Not you, the players killing him, so it kind of leaves an unfinished taste in their mouths. Okay, that's fun to throw in sometimes for sure. It is. I wouldn't yeah. do it a lot, but I, at the same time, maybe he just it, he he you know samurais himself basically. So that would be a good idea to throw in there for anybody you know listening. You don't have to have the players kill the big bad evil guy for this quest, but you can have them kill themselves and kind of have unfinished you know. They get the taste of it. And they're like, yeah. "Delhern, you why? What? What? What is? What was his plan?" But and that could lead down a storyline when they start exploring cities and other areas that there are other occult leaders out mm-hmm. there, and that was just not one of them. Mm-hmm. And that starts to have an effect on the rest of the world as they start navigating. Yeah, yeah. I'll always. My my advice would be, as a DM, always keep in the back of your mind the real-world consequences of your players' actions. Yeah. Because that that makes them feel great to know that if they do something really awesome or something really dumb, 
it's going to have an impact on this fantasy world. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and and every, everything in this fantasy world, actions have consequences in, in, in life. Yeah. And in general, in this world, actions do have consequences. So they kill this occult leader. Now you're the most wanted out of the <laughs> most wanted adventuring party because they killed one of the occult leaders. Right. And as it goes along, you kind of maybe find out that the occult leader becomes, you know, a larger than life character, one of the your final big bad evil guy for the overarching story is became one of these occult leaders and worked himself up and disguises himself as a, you know, someone in power, maybe a cleric, something of that nature. But at the beginning, it all started with this cave, mm-hmm. and then that is the domino effect that kind of falls the rest of the time. And you just kind of leave hints there and, and there, and you get give them more and more quests to go on, so they don't know what the final big bag boss is going to be but it all will tie back to that first original quest of defeating the spiders going into the cave and finding the missing people and killing the occult leader or killing you know him killing himself very cool i like it so that's how you explore caves and dungeons and dungeons and dragons (laughs) um and how to create them i hope that was pretty insightful um, yeah hopefully it helped you guys out yeah, I, I, th- I think if you want more of us creating it, go follow us on Patreon, and you will be able to see our full process of mm-hmm. creating a dungeon. Yeah. And um, it'll be a video of us on Dungeons Crawl, and we'll show you our little rooms that we use um, yeah. on that. Yeah, a lot, lot of really, really good cost-effective ways to have, be an immersive storytelling DM. Uh, of course, with D&D, everybody knows you can play it with just a piece of paper and a pen. Or you can spend thousands of dollars to build sets. Um, I personally like to strike a happy little medium, use the theater of the mind, Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, reasonably priced things, which we'll explore further at some point. It'll be on TikTok. Um, We'll do short little segments and things of that nature for you. Uh, Caleb, we've got a couple of questions uh, that we want to get into. My favorite. So uh, we'll go into that. Ty, roll those dice. All right, so uh, I'm looking here. Sarah from Texas, so congratulations from the South, Sarah from Texas. Um, As a DM, how do I strike a balance between challenging encounters and making sure the players have fun while exploring a dungeon? Any tips on adjusting difficulty on the fly? You want to take this one or you want me to? I can. It'll okay, be fine. Yeah, yeah, I've already kind of told how I do mine on the fly. So. Yeah, so um, I try to set a challenge rating, like I said, Sarah, um, at least challenge rating two above what the player's uh, – you, you know, levels are. Um, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll have at least two creatures in there, uh, depending on sentient or not, depending on the storyline. But then also I will have easier bosses or easier encounters with, within that so I can quickly switch. So if they get really beat up in one of the rooms, then I'll have a secondary room that's a little bit easier for them. So that way they don't feel like they have to take a short rest or a long rest inside of a cave. Mm-hmm. That way they feel a little bit more powerful when they're facing these creatures. So I always have like a little bit of a backup plan on the side where there's other creatures that I can throw in there other than the ones that I originally wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you want to make sure the balance um, is exploration, Indiana Jones style, finding the Lars artifact, describing the room, make sure it's engaging, but then have a couple of encounters. I wouldn't go all in on encounters. Every single room, you're going to find something I, you know, depending on their roles, on stealth and other things, will have an effect on combat. But 
you know, things can come out of a wall. Things can come just be patrolling in the great room. Other rooms are just empty, and they're just empty because there's not many people yeah. in there. And, and let me throw this in there. In a in a cave especially, your threat environment is in three dimensions. So it could be the roof overhead, the floor beneath, the walls on either side, in front of you, behind you. It's not qu- quite as constrained as conventional two-dimensional combat. Yeah, and and that, I think that gives you a good balance. Like you want to make sure it's you feel like you're Indiana Jones, and at the same time you want to feel like you're able to accomplish a lot of combat within it. Five E is very slow on combat, but it, it's just the nature of the beast. And I hope eventually they may end up changing that just a little bit um, when one D and D becomes an actual uh, real life thing. Um, Caleb, you got a question? Uh, no, actually, I don't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't give me the sheet. I didn't? I don't think so. All right. So, yes, I do. Uh, This is Thomas from Pennsylvania, U.S. of A. What are some strategies to make sure players stay engaged during dungeon exploration, especially during moments of backtracking or slow-paced sections? What are some good strategies to make sure they play? Well, really, there's not going to be a... Uh, blanket coverall way to do it. It's just kind of based on your DM style as well as your player's play style. Um, my recommendation would be in every uh, aspect of your DMing, you take into account what motivates your players, what interests them, what excites them. There may be uh, players that are more interested in combat, just combat, combat, combat. Some are more interested in role play. Um, so take that into account. If they're backtracking what they've already cleared out, it's getting slow. You want to keep it interesting. You know, throw in uh, the player with the highest passive perception. They see a glint out of the corner of their eye, mm-hmm. and they go over there, and maybe that's uh, maybe it's a trinket, maybe it's an artifact, maybe it's a concealed door they hadn't seen before that once taken would have allowed them to bypass all of the dam- the dangers. But in this instance, serves as a way to kind of fast travel back to where they're trying to get to. Yeah, so that that would be off the top of my head. Some either mind. that, or you just tell them you backtrack to the beginning of the cave, or you backtrack to the next room, and then you just be done with it. Okay, fine. Well, make me look like an ass. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> I was just giving them two options there. Yeah, <laughs> I like I, your I, option a lot I, better. I though. thought I was quite eloquent with that <laughs> option. Never mind. <laughs> so um, I got Jessica from our home state of Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> Um, sometimes my players tend to rush through dungeons, as they all do, uh, without full, fully exploring or interacting with the environment. Uh, how can I encourage them to be more thorough and curious? We have, uh, depending on if they just want to get through it, I try to kind of stop them in their tracks. Maybe an environmental change will get them to to really try to interact with the environment around them. Um, on top of that, they... I, I try to slow down if they are just running through the rooms and really try to be descriptive about the items at hand. And I may throw in some consequential consequential items that mm-hmm. have an effect on the party at the same time. That way, maybe one of the treasure chests is a mimic. And mm-hmm. they, since they brush through the other things, that, oh, that one's a mimic. Roll for initiative. They're like, oh, crap, there's mimics in this cave. That makes them have to slow down themselves. All, all chests are mimics. Why I'll never let my child breastfeed. <laughs> See, that's what you call a joke on two different levels. That's great. That's a great joke. Um, 
And you just want to be sure that you put in the time and effort to describe the environment. And, and maybe this is a thing to talk out of session with the yeah. guys and be like, guys, I spent a lot of time on the dungeon. Mm-hmm. I would appreciate it if you as characters would try to explore it a little bit more than just going from point A to point B. And that can just be an honest discussion amongst you as yeah. players yeah. and Communica- characters. Communication is key. Yeah. I think we got time for one more question. All right. Let's see what we've got here. Oh, uh, let's see. I had a really good pick that I liked. All right, this is from David in Florida. David says, I don't know why I'm doing this accent. Uh, Dave, definitely not uh, a Floridian accent, <laughs> unless they're from Apalachicola. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I want to create an epic final battle in a dungeon for my campaign. What are some creative ways to make the encounter intense and memorable for the players? I'm excited about this one. Demon Apocalypse. Uh, that's always your answer, dude. What, what do you want to do if we go see a movie? Demon Apocalypse. Yep. No, Adam. We are not unleashing the forces of darkness on this world. That's a great dungeon, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll give you that. Nine uh, circles of hell. Yeah, uh, he's terrible to do anything with, guys. Um, this is going back to our last episode, or maybe the one before that, incorporating the environment into the... Uh, combat, mm-hmm. or at least the role play. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you got a you got a big uh, bad guy at the very end of this cavern with the stalactites overhead. Um, unless you've just got a party of marshals, there's going to be explosions and booms and magic being thrown left and right. How st- stable really is this ca- cavern? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. this dungeon. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to throw in uh, some dangerous environments. If the players are using concussive magic, there's going to be consequences of that. Yeah, so you change the environment around you to create those encounters. So they have to not only worry about the big, bad, evil guy, they have to worry about the environment around them. And, and, you know, they can use that to their advantage. They can cast something on a stalactite overhead and have it try to crash into them. But by the same token, if he's a magic user, our players are going to have to be dodging, using mm-hmm. athletic checks to avoid falling debris. And I think that's a really fun way to add tension and keep combat from being too simplistic. Yeah. Uh, or maybe he's monologuing and, and they, the wizard shoots fireball at the slag titan. and yeah. it just ends the encounter there. Although I don't think... <laughs> Rules by written, fireball is concussive. Really? It, it, does, fi- it does fire damage, but huh. I think if you read the, 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 the description, wording, yeah, yeah, it's not concussive. It's, yeah, it's fireball. <laughs> no, it's just fireball. <laughs> no, it's, Interesting. Yeah, that, that might be something I would uh, uh, table, based on the table, homebrew some stuff. I would also say a lot of people don't use this in D&D, <laughs> but cover. Uh, I usually use cover. But a lot of people don't. And and, uh, things that I've listened to, cover is not really something that gets used a lot in D&D. But I would probably, if it's in a dungeon of some sort, have some sort of maybe large stone wall or a large... Stalag might. Oh, I'm saying a dungeon. Well, if it's it's with the big bad evil guy, I just assumed it was his own dungeon that he's made himself. So there would be stone walls or stone columns that he could hide, that players could hide behind to use as cover. Or maybe stalactites fall and they create cover and it changes the environment. And what cover does, just based on whether it's half, three quarters, or full cover, Mm -hmm. is essentially just adding to the player's AC. Yep. And, and I think that's an awesome idea um, that players need to take advantage of more is cover. Um, you're out in the open most of the time when you're fighting, but when you get the chance to use cover, I would, I would probably end up using cover um, as a player if I uh, got the chance to. But 
environmental changes, like you said, yeah. uh, on top of cover. But also, I try to, at the halfway mark, I try to change it up. Maybe the, you know, something else happens that's catastrophic and changes the environment around them. Mm-hmm. Or changes the the uh, character, the big bad evil guy, into a new form. So, like, Goku going Super Saiyan kind of thing at yeah, the halfway this isn't mark. even my final form. Yes. So, I try to make that. And that's the way to keep players engaged. And they didn't, and them questioning themselves also saying, well, I didn't expect that. <laughs> right. So, and that's that's basically how uh, how I would you know make epic battles yeah, like with the, with the final boss. But yeah, for sure. Thank you, David, and uh, everyone else that sent in to us. Keep sending in those questions. Um, that's actually my highlight of the podcast. Yeah, I, I love it. I, love <laughs> I like answering questions yeah. from our viewers. Uh, we try to do international ones for one episode, and then we'll try to do USA ones focused. Uh, on this one. So we did international last week um, or last two weeks and we had a buttload of questions come in after that one from the uh, international and U.S. So we'll continue answering them. Uh, So international is next week. Uh, Very cool. For that. But just as a recap, since we finished that, uh, that one, and that's our final segment of the pod. Yeah. At the end here, let's just do a little recap. So we discussed how to create the dungeons and make them captivating. Uh, we also had the importance of dungeons in D&D and where they kind of stem from and different areas that you can go into. You got navigating the dungeons as the DM and how to explore and have everything written out for roles, clues, hints, and leave little breadcrumbs throughout it. And then you can craft engaging dungeon encounters for your characters and have everything written out with challenge encounters on top of how the environmental hazards and multi-stage battles could work. Um, and then on top of that, you can build the dungeon storyline as you go along, or you can build it and flesh it out depending upon what kind of uh, cave system or dungeon that they're going into. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a recap. Try to experiment with your own uh, dungeons that you guys create. Dungeonscrawl.com is a great resource to use. Yeah. Uh, and you can design and try storytelling techniques. Oftentimes, uh, we'll have these uh, posted one-shot ideas posted on our patreon and listed out so please uh go check that out uh check out our social media uh tiktok instagram facebook we're all on everything youtube uh, we need to do more on youtube i think yeah and we're gonna work on that as yeah. we go we're a new podcast so we're we're working on that so everything is at dm tavern talks yep and then, um, and then, if you want to send us questions and uh, inquiries for business, it's dmtaverntalks at gmail.com. I'm going to work on the website this week okay, um, and cool. have everything centralized to, to that website so we can optimize that as well. Right. Um, as well. So I think that'll be it. All right, guys. Well, I, I appreciate it, Adam. Really enjoyed it. Sorry again that we uh, missed last week, but uh, look forward to getting into our next uh, episode. And. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Remember, though, what happens in the tavern stays in the tavern. Y'all be safe now. She told me that she's 